It's your favorite childbirth educator here, Joni Edelman, and this is Radical Childbirth Education. Education for parents and providers who want the down low on the low down. another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Your time is your most valuable resource and as always I'm very thankful for it. A couple of items of business before we get going. The first one is thank you to those of you who have taken, all two of you, who have taken the time to rate the podcast. It does a lot for the algorithm when people are searching for things about birth if there's a podcast that's positively rated and I appreciate so much knowing that people are sharing the podcast with their clients, with their friends, with other people that they know. This is not currently a a source of revenue for me. It's just something I'm doing because, mostly because I was asked to, um, because I love teaching and talking about birth. So it's easy for me to uh, do in general. It's not difficult to come up with subject matter because there is so much to talk about and because I know that it's a snippet of what people get if they have me as their birth attendant, whether I'm as a as a doula or a traditional birth attendant. So um, thanks and it goes a long way if you have a minute to just leave a quick review or even just market some number of stars. That's awesome. The other thing, of course, is the Radical Childbirth Education course, which is the next cohort of which kicks off in March and runs for four weeks, two hours on every Sunday with a Q&A period at the end. And you can learn about that at my website. It's 13moonsbirth.com, the number 13. And now let's get going with today's subject matter. Today we're talking about doulas. What are they? What's the difference between a doula and a midwife? Why would you want a doula? And how do doulas impact birth? So let's kick it off. As I've said before, I do practice currently as a doula here in the state of Texas in Austin. Um, I also practice as a traditional birth attendant, attending out-of-hospital births at home. My work as a doula primarily serves hospital birthing folks. I do serve home and and um, birth center births as well. But of course, the majority of births occur in the hospital. And so the majority of people who need a doula are going to the hospital. What is unique about my practice and what I love to do is work with women and partners who want a high touch, low intervention hospital birth. So for whatever reason, they don't feel comfortable birthing at home, but they know that they want minimal intervention and really to be left alone at the hospital. And that is my specialty, educating people on what interventions are available in the hospital, what they're for, what the pros and cons are of each one, and helping folks decide what direction they want to go with their birth. When do they want to go in? What kind of medication do they want if they want any? How to manage labor if they don't want medication and so forth. Um, I've been working with the agency here in Austin, Austin Birth Company, for the last just over a year In that time, I've helped the company develop a lot of our materials that we give to clients. I'm just about to complete my last full-time birth with ABC, and then I'm just going to be doing 
an occasional birth with either a repeat client or someone who might need a little extra help or who might benefit from my expertise. Um, taking a bit of a break, giving my body a bit of a rest. I'm uh, almost 50 and being up all night and providing really hands-on support is really, really physically difficult for me now because I have fibromyalgia and some other stuff going on. So um, focusing my attention more on things like this and education to give people the tools that they need to really have the birth that they want without providing that hands-on support in person. But let's talk briefly about doulas and what do they do? So there's been some uh, controversy, I guess would be a good word, about doulas and the term doula recently. The term doula is a Greek word for slave. And so many folks in the doula world are um, in opposition to using that term and prefer to use some other term. Same goes for uh, midwives. Lots of midwives who are practicing unlicensed in the United States prefer different a different term because the term midwife is such a large umbrella that covers so many different types of care. So um, I see women calling them calling themselves things like birth keepers, traditional birth attendants, spiritual midwives or spiritual birth attendants or wise women. Um, those, you know, sort of terms and they all can mean what they mean to whoever. For me, I most align with the term spiritual wise woman, traditional birth attendant. Those are the two things that feel closest to what I am doing. Of course, originally the term midwife just meant with woman, which is what I consider myself in whatever regard I'm at a birth, whether I'm a doula, whether I'm acting as a doula or their primary care person. I, I see myself in the role of with woman. So doulas are generally uh, either have taken some training or have been certified through an agency. There is no governing body or board for doulas, which means you do not have to be certified or licensed in any way to be a doula, which means anyone can call themselves a doula, even if they've never been to a single birth, which um, hopefully they wouldn't do that. Or if they were, they would say, I'm a doula, but I've never attended a birth. Um, but this questions to ask. Now, I don't think we'll get into how to choose a doula, but I don't think that the number of births a doula has been to is as valuable as other factors in their experience, including their life experience, where they've attended birth, the kinds of births they've attended, who they trained with or under or apprenticed with. But anyone can call themselves a doula because there is no governing board. And because doulas are not medical professionals, they are not required to be licensed. But that means their scope of practice, what we call the scope of practice of any person who has a practice, is limited to emotional and physical support and information. So statistics, data, experiential information, but not advice in terms of telling you what to do. Um, this line gets blurry because many doulas, including myself, have had experiences that we would love to shout from the rooftops and say to clients, don't do this because I've seen what happens when you do this. But that's, that is not the doula scope. The doula scope might be to share what the risks and benefits of a certain um, intervention or medication are, but their role is not as an advisor in that way. So they primarily support the laboring person during labor 
And their support is not limited to the laboring person. The support extends also to the partner. And that's important because when partners are in the throes of birth, when everyone is really focused on what's um, at hand, the task at hand, people forget to eat, they forget to drink, they forget to rest, they forget to go to the bathroom. So the doula has a vital role in reminding the father or partner to do all of those things, as well as the laboring person as well, making sure that she's got something to drink, something to eat periodically, things are offered to her because she's in labor land and she shouldn't be having to think about those things. But we do want to make sure that women are eating and drinking in order to maintain the stamina required for birth. So um, there are multiple different ways to find a doula. Uh, the best way, I think, is through a friend, through someone who's had a doula and knows a good one, or through your care provider. Um, not all care providers like to work with doulas, so that's an important thing to ask your physician or midwife when you have your initial appointment or when you're interviewing, is have you worked with a doula? What doulas do you like? And are you, um, are you amenable to me having a doula? Because there are physicians who really don't like working with doulas, and there are even midwives who really don't like working with doulas. And that can be really problematic for you as the client at, when you get closer to birth and you want your doula to be helping you make decisions about, for example, induction. Or when you're at the hospital and you may or may not be turning down certain interventions and your physician is upset because your doula is maybe helping you make those decisions. Um, I've been joking for a while that the reason that the hospitals here in Austin don't let us into triage anymore, they don't let doulas into triage, is probably my fault because I had several clients who were refusing IVs and making everyone really, really mad. Um, and so much so that I've had nurses go and get the doctor on the phone, on speaker, to bring them in the room and explain to the client why they need to have an IV right then. So um, that's probably not true, but... I know that from my own experience in the hospital, that once you have someone come into the hospital, you really, really want them just to follow the protocol because that's the easiest thing for you. And the protocol is we draw labs, we put it in IV, period. Um, it's a saline lock, which means it doesn't have fluid running in it unless you're ill and need fluid. And that's the selling point is that it's not going to limit your movement because it's not attached to anything. But for many women, just the presence of the IV in the arm is enough to be irritating. And I value that. I really do. Uh, I am a person who feels that way myself. And having an IV in labor would have been very disruptive to my pattern, to my ability to cope. So when we run into folks who really feel that way, I do educate them on the reason they give IVs in the hospital and also the fact that they are welcome to uh, refuse any intervention because you are not a prisoner. You're there and you're employing the hospital to care for you. So you have every right to say no to anything. So that being said, the best way to find a doula, I think, is to probably ask people you know who have had one. If you don't know anyone who has had one, using an agency is perfectly um, reasonable. There are pluses and minuses to using an agency. The pluses are you usually have a team of people and a care package that includes a lot of other benefits. So um, in our team, for example, if we have a client who's struggling with a medical issue or has a medical concern, I will usually hop into their chat and help answer questions for them about medical things, blood pressure and so forth. Um, 
most doulas don't have any medical experience. They are not, they have not been nurses or they are not midwives. So they don't uh, have the uh, background or experience to answer those kind of questions. So that would be a benefit. You have a larger team. Um, one of the downsides of using an agency is that if your doula happens to be busy, you're likely to get a backup doula, which has happened to me a couple of times. I've had to call in just a couple of weeks ago. I had two moms in labor at the same time. They don't overlap very often, but when there's a storm, when a storm comes through and we have a barometric pressure change, people's water is likely to break, which is exactly what happened in this case. Two of my mom's water broke at the same time, and I had to call a backup in for my second client. We never like to do this, but that's the reason why we do have a backup system so that no one ever goes without a doula. In a private practice doula, you're likely to pay a little bit more money, but that doula is likely to not take as many clients. So her likelihood of being busy during your birth is very much near zero, really. My private clientele that I have, if I take a private client, I usually block out weeks on either side of them so that I'm sure that they don't overlap or in the event that they might overlap, then my non-private client would get the backup. It hasn't happened yet, but that's what would happen. This is my um, last birth with ABC. I think I might have already mentioned that, but maybe not. Uh, after this, I'm taking on out-of-hospital birth clients who are looking for birth keeping and private doula clients who are looking for high-level care. Uh, private doulas are generally, hopefully, going to come recommended by someone you know. They're in terms of when we meet and what we do, the difference between a private and an agency client is that I, in my private clients, I go to their home for most of their appointments, if not all of them. Um, sometimes we meet for coffee or something like that, but I'm going to be in their home. I'm going to know their pets and all of that sort of thing so that I'm very close with the couple prior to birth. So we've developed a really close relationship. Uh, pretty much all doulas, regardless of where you get them, are going to be available during business hours for questions that you might have about your birth or about your labor or about your pregnancy or about birth plans or your care provider. Um, and then we generally go on call from 37 weeks to 42 for our clients. So in other words, if they go into labor anywhere between 37 and 42 weeks, we're available to hop up and go. Um we ask folks to stay in contact with us at the end of the pregnancy to let us know what's going on, uh, to let us know if there are any early labor symptoms or signs. That way, once labor is sort of appears to be pending, I have a client right now who I just got off the phone with who is sure to be in labor within the next 24 to 48 hours. So I'm prepared to cancel the plans that I have for Sunday to be able to serve this uh, client and her partner over the weekend. So that helps, um, helps us be prepared. Some doulas specialize in certain kinds of births or locations. Some doulas who themselves have, have for example, had what, what we call an HBAC, so a home birth after cesarean, or a redemptive cesarean, or redemptive home birth, or a redemptive birth, they are more likely to service folks who are also going to, through the same experience. So previous C-section who are looking to have a home birth. There are people who specialize in VBACs in general. There are people who specialize in home, in birth center and hospital. 
Uh, most of us will take a berth in any location if the fit is right, if the two of if the two of us or the three of us, as it were, get along and feel like we could work together, we'll take a berth wherever one might occur. Um, I personally have tried to start getting away from hospital birth, even though I'm very good at helping people navigate the hospital. And I have struggled with the idea of this is a gift I have. This is something I'm really good at, but also at the same time feeling very often like you're an accomplice, sort of, because once you get into the hospital system, you're really powerless to help people in a lot of ways, because once we're there and the hospital's policies and procedures are being followed, then there's a lot of pushback when people don't want things, um, and it's easy to get involved in uh, a, a sort of cascade of intervention situation that I can't affect. And that's very, very frustrating for the doula because when you see birth as much as we do, you very clearly and plainly can see when things are going what I call off the rails, when the birth is going another direction, when it's pretty clear the client isn't going to get what they want. And there's not a lot you can do about it. Um, there's a certain powerlessness in that that's really, really frustrating because you're not a medical provider and there isn't always a lot of respect between the hospital staff and the doulas. So that's one reason that I think some hospital doulas will burn out after a while or stop taking as many hospital births, which is kind of the place I'm at. I've had several lots of difficult births over the last year that um, the difficulties could have been avoided simply by avoiding an induction or avoiding a third trimester ultrasound that wasn't necessary. And just a note, when I'm talking about my own clients, I am always careful to change details so that folks don't know who I'm talking about, um, so that no one should ever be recognizable. Even though doulas aren't bound by HIPAA, which is the Patient Privacy Act, um, I, as an RN, have always behaved bound by HIPAA. And it's pretty common for people who talk about their experiences in their profession with clients or patients to just change the details so that it's not recognizable. So, you know, changing the gender of the baby or changing the location of the birth or whatever. Uh, changing some of the circumstances, perhaps. Or sometimes creating an amalgamation of more than one client to create sort of an example case. Because there's a lot of power in examples and there's a lot of power in um, hearing other people's stories. And that's why podcasts like The Birth Hour exist. There's a bird in the corner, and that is why all of this noise is happening. Hi, I hear you, June. June is back there. So apologies for the noise. My daughter's Quaker parrot is in this room right now. So um, why would you want a doula? Why do you even want one? And the answer for that is pretty simple, because not only is she going to, usually she, although there are some male doulas, uh, provide you physical and emotional support during labor. She's also going to provide you with a lot of education leading up to your birth and be a resource for you when you have questions and you aren't sure what to do. Now, that being said, don't expect that your doula will be a childbirth educator because that's not the same role. Those are different roles. And even though she knows a lot about childbirth, that's not her job. And she doesn't have time to teach you everything you need to know. I highly highly recommend that you take a childbirth class of some kind, whether it's online or hybrid or in person, figure out what works for your schedule. I think it's really, really nice 
to take a class where you have someone, um, even if the class itself isn't live, that you can ask questions to because inevitably questions are going to arise. So that's why my class is structured in that way that I do two hours of sort of lecture and then we have a half an hour Q&A period so that I can ask, answer questions for people individually. So it gives you both the foundational education and opportunities to explore your own personal scenarios. Um, so don't expect your doula, even if your doula is an educator, to educate you. Um, my private doula package includes a separate private in-person um, childbirth class. So I offer that to my clients. It's part of my whole package is I come to your house for three or four hours and we do an in-person crash course. So you can get all of your questions answered and you can get a really good foundation in education. You don't have to understand birth to have a baby. The, there, that's not required. In fact, I think sometimes it's better to not understand too much. But since we are mammals who have this highly developed frontal lobe, having information does help us to sort of uh, take our experiences and create our own stories and our own situations and circumstances so that we can decide what the best path is for us in the moment. And having a good foundational understanding of the physiology of birth just sets you up for success in that regard. Doulas are also not lactation educators or consultants, usually. Sometimes they are. I have lots of lactation education, so I always offer for my clients, if they're having breastfeeding struggles, to utilize me first. And then if I can't solve their problem, we call in an IBCLC, someone who just does it more than me um, and is board certified. The letters behind the name to me aren't as important as the experience. Um, Anybody can get letters, but that doesn't make you good at what you do. What makes you good at what you do is, you know, a servant's heart and kindness and empathy and compassion and the ability to sit and be patient and help and hold women in this new postpartum time when they're so often struggling because it's such an upheaval, right? So that being said, your doula should be available to you for questions. Generally speaking, you'll have two or three prenatal appointments prior to your birth where you talk about um, the birth and what you want, your birth preferences. Your She may help you fill out a birth preference sheet or provide some sort of template for you. And then you have one visit. For me, I do one getting to know you visit where I come over and meet you, meet your dogs and your kids if you have any and your partner. And that's just a chit chat visit. We kind of talk about support and what it looks like and what your expectations are and how you feel I can best support you. Then our second visit is going to be an in-depth visit about the birth, going over your birth preferences, answering specific questions and sort of starting to create your birth plan. And then our third visit, we're going to go back over the birth plan, which ideally you've completed by that point. And then we're going to talk about postpartum planning and newborn care and sort of some of the challenges that come up. And then I am with you for your birth, starting in active labor, which is contractions a minute in length, about every five minutes for an hour or so. Um, and I stay with you until your baby's born and then an hour or two after to make sure that we've gotten breastfeeding established that you're comfy if you're in the hospital, that you're cozy and tucked into your bed if you're at home and that you've had something to eat and drink. And then I come and see you, if you're, if you're birthing in the hospital, I come and see you um, once you're home. 
And if you're birthing at home, I come and see you whenever it's convenient, depending on if you need help with breastfeeding or if you just want to um, process your birth at, you know, a couple of weeks postpartum. Um, I also, I personally try to take some pictures for my clients. I do have a camera, so I try to take some photos. Not all doulas do this. It's not, um, it's not part of a doula's role, generally speaking, but you can ask your doula to do it, to use your phone or her phone or her camera if she has one. Some doulas will, some won't. Some will increase the price of their package to account for the time and energy that it requires to, photo to photograph and then narrow down and edit any photos that you might want or even just giving them to you as a raw file, right? Because all of that takes time. Um, what... What are the impacts of doulas on birth? And the studies around this have been, you know, pretty profound in terms of outcomes. So one of the, so I'm going to read some of the, of the outcomes from some studies that have been done to you. Some of them are worded in kind of a weird way because of how the questions are asked. But so this is uh, most of this stuff is from a Cochrane database review from 2017. So doulas result in a 39% decrease in risk of cesarean. So they don't re re they don't result in a 39% less C-sections because that would be zero, but in a risk of cesarean, which is to say if you were at a risk of 70% before with a doula, your risk is 39% less than that. A 15% increase in the likelihood of a spontaneous vaginal birth. So that's a vaginal birth that is unassisted by any um, equipment like a vacuum or forceps. A 10% decrease in the use of any medication for pain relief. 45 minutes shorter labor overall. 40, 40 minutes, sorry. A 38% decrease in the risk of a baby's low five-minute APGAR and a 31% decrease in the risk of being dissatisfied with their birth experience, which is different than a 31% increase in birth satisfaction, but still profound. Um, doulas also result in a shorter second stage overall. Second stage is pushing. Um, there can be a number of factors behind that because epidurals increase the pushing stage. So if for example, you as a client who has a doula are less likely to get an epidural, then you are less likely to have a longer pushing stage. I know from my professional experience, I've had several clients that would have certainly, certainly gone to a C-section had they not had a doula there. And what my role in that in those circumstances ended up being was mostly just saying, you, you can have time. To the client, right? We are not in a rush because you can imagine that if you've been nine centimeters dilated for three hours and a physician comes in and says to you, I think we should go to the OR because you're not going to dilate the rest of the way, that you are likely, if you do not know that you still could dilate the rest of the way, you are likely to just say, yes, I just want to go to the OR and be done. And I've had this happen with three different clients in the last year where they were sort of stalled at nine centimeters dilation. The term stalled, I don't love because that implies that, that there's something not moving. And of course there's things moving and happening. And in all three cases, we were able to sort of reset the room, do some interventions in terms of um, repositioning in, in 
many cases, this means turning off the lights, changing the music, changing the lighting. If you have, for example, if you have a, a projector or something, you know, projecting light onto the ceiling, changing what you're listening to, putting you in the shower, um, getting other people out of the room, closing, just closing the room and keeping the staff out and just creating a buffer space between the client and the nursing staff so that the client is less disrupted. And in all of these cases, these babies were able to come out vaginally. And in all cases, the clients said to me afterwards, I have no doubt we would have ended up in a C-section if we hadn't had you. Like, this is the best money we've ever spent, right? Because it kept them out of a surgical delivery that they probably would have been in had they not had some help with advocacy. So that's an important factor with doulas, with a really good doula who knows what they're doing. Um, we can help with positioning. We can help with just supporting, just creating space around you. And sometimes that means just holding space, just being emotionally and physically present for you to remind you that things are normal and that you're doing okay. Um, the affirmation of your safety can be very, very important, particularly to fathers who are so often fearful that their partners are going to somehow die in childbirth. And for women who ultimately need to feel safe in that part of their mammalian brain where safety is a biological imperative and feeling unsafe means that labor usually will stall or not progress because as mammals fundamentally our bodies don't want to have the baby and you know and to be in danger it's difficult for me to quantify the difference between having a doula and not having a doula because when i'm a doula i'm in the room as the doula but i can tell you as a nurse my experience is most clients without doulas, even if they want to have natural childbirth, are going to end up with a medicated delivery. And women were interviewed at some point during in a given study, and women were expected um, to spend, they expect about, I think the number is 53%. So they expect about the nurse's time to be about 53% of their labor. And in reality, nurses spend about 6% of their labor with them. And I have seen this happen where I've been with clients who have just said to me, what would we be doing? What would we be doing if you weren't here? And the answer is you would be alone. And they usually say something like, that's terrifying. But um, you know, birth mostly happens without best without an observer. And it goes without saying that nurses are incredibly busy and usually have, depending on how active you are in labor, anywhere from two to four patients, um, which means they're busy. They are motivated and happy for you to get an epidural a lot of the time because it reduces their workload because they can see your chart, they can see your strip, they can see your baby's heart rate because you're required to have continuous fetal monitoring. They can see it from the nurse's station, which means they don't have to get up and go in the room repeatedly for intermittent monitoring. And all they really need to do is go and turn you periodically about every half an hour from side to side. Otherwise, they can just sort of leave you alone to sleep. So that decreases the workload significantly, as opposed to someone who is looking to the nurse to provide kind of continuous emotional labor support, which is... Uh, nice if they can do, but usually not uh, their role because there's just not enough time for them to do it. When I was a labor delivery nurse, I often would take the assignments for people that wanted this sort of thing. 
because I was new and enthusiastic in the beginning and ultimately always loved natural birth. So didn't mind being hollered at or screamed at or, you know, pinched or bit or whatever. Um, but I'll tell you, my experience has been that over time, nurses get tired of doing this because it's very physically demanding and it's very time demanding. And um, they simply can't do it with every single client because it's just too much work. So um, they are just as likely as any other professional to go ahead and be super thrilled for you to have an epidural because ultimately an epidural is going to put you to bed until it's pushing time. Um, there are another, there's another study that shows that our breastfeeding rates are increased um, and at about, I think, 89% for, for people who've had a doula. Um, the initiation of breastfeeding at within six weeks and what the number is when you don't have a doula, I don't know, but I think it's somewhere around 40, so probably about half. Overall, a doula is worth your money in my personal and professional opinion. Even as a doula and a labor delivery nurse, I also hired a doula. Now, what's the difference between a doula and a midwife? So the fundamental difference a lot of people don't know is that a midwife is trained medically. So a midwife is trained to attend you in the same way that a physician would in terms of if you have any complications during your birth or any emergencies, that's her role. So she is primarily assessing and documenting and more watching the mother for any signs of anything out of the ordinary. Her role is to remain sharp and focused for the birth because that's when she's most needed. So it's wonderful to have a team of a doula and a midwife. That way your doula can be providing you labor support during the active phases of your labor while your midwife is essentially just resting waiting and watching for anything to change and then when the baby is born she is well rested and alert and able to manage any potential emergent situation that might come her way so that's the difference between those two midwives are regulated uh not in every state and they're regulated differently in most states so that's an important thing to understand licensure varies licensure requirement varies from state to state there are um, agencies that, that do regulate midwifery in terms of um, your education and licensure. And that's another episode, the different kinds of midwives. But just know that the most important thing about either a doula or a midwife or your physician or your family practitioner or whoever you're choosing to be your care partner is that you feel safe with them, that you feel heard and listened to and held and safe. And that is the best way to choose. Um, asking some really good questions is wonderful because you can quickly get to the source of, is this person going to be supportive of my decision making as we go on, as opposed to getting to the end of your pregnancy and suddenly finding out that your uh, physician actually requires induction at 40 weeks or 39 weeks and is going to drop you from their care if you go past 41 weeks. Uh, that's not something you want to find out at the very end of your pregnancy because that's going to increase your stress levels. So the questions that we talked about in the previous episode, the glucose tolerance test, questions about induction, questions about your blood pressure, uh, those all go to a wider picture of figuring out will your partner, your care partner in your pregnancy 
honor your requests and uh, honor your intuition as well. I apologize for the bird. Okay, so a lot of people say, well, why would I need, but I'm having an epidural, I'm planning on having a girl, or I'm planning on having a C-section. Why would I want a doula? So let's address epidurals first. An epidural is a type of pain relief. Uh, it involves a small catheter placed in the spinal column and provides a continuous drip of medication usually a combination of medications right now, most commonly bupivacaine and fentanyl. And that medication is dripping continuously after the epidural has been placed so that you have long-term pain relief. Usually epidurals re result in decreased or sometimes no sensation in the lower half of your body, which means that you're not able to move around and stand up, but also means you're not feeling a lot of discomfort, if any. You usually do continue to feel pressure. But if I'm not feeling pain, why do I want a doula? Well, the answer to that is simply because pain isn't the only aspect of childbirth that's important, right? Huge aspects of birth include even just advocating for you. If you have an epidural and you've pushed for a few hours and you haven't made a lot of progress, helping you figure out how to push or just fighting with your doctor to let you continue to push or maybe delaying the onset of your epidural, which can sometimes improve outcomes, or just providing you education even around the epidural or around what's happening in the hospital or why they're doing certain things in the hospital. What do you need and what are they, why are they requesting certain things or requiring certain things? She can be with you at home so that you don't go into the hospital too early if you're trying to avoid being there um, in early labor. So she can do all those roles. And she can also provide postpartum education as well. So that's not dependent whatsoever on what kind of pain management you have. The same thing goes for a C-section. Even if you're having an operative delivery, the delivery is only one small part of the entire experience. There's lots of support and education leading up to your delivery and support and education leading after your delivery. And in many hospitals, the doula is welcome into the operating room with you and your partner and can sit with you while your partner goes to the baby or sit with the baby if your partner stays with you. She can take photographs for you of the three of you together. Um, and she can explain to you what's happening because she's done it before. So it's demystified in many ways because you know exactly what's coming because she can prime you for it. So doula's work, excuse me, is vital in the birth arena but is equally vital on both sides of the birth, po both prenatal and postpartum, just in terms of the education and support that she can offer you. She's a professional who's done this ideally a few times, often has children of her own, so she can certainly relate to what you're going through. And sometimes I find myself just going and sitting with my clients and just helping them in the postpartum period just transition into parenthood, just reminding them what's normal and helping them understand what's going on in their body and just being a non-judgmental ear that is not in any way biased, right? All I want to do is support people. So I'm just here to receive whatever struggles you might be having and to help you navigate those things. One of the most, actually one of the most valuable things as a doula that we provide, I think too, is a postpartum sort of review of the birth, a, uh, you know, a 
an opportunity to sit down and discuss how the birth went. What would you have liked to have done differently? What didn't go well for you? What went really well for you? And if, if by some, you know, if for some reason you end up in a birth situation that is less than ideal, or you end up in an emergency situation, or things just don't go the way you want, then she's still available to process all of that with you. And I've spent, you know, many hours sitting on people's couches, just letting them cry about when something happened in their birth that they didn't anticipate and that, that was scary to them. That's an important part of the work that we do. Um, one of the things that I love to do too is to help people figure out where things went one direction or another because every birth is a learning experience. So if things didn't go well in one regard or another, for example, if you um, had an induction and uh, it didn't proceed like you wanted and you didn't get the things that you wanted out of your experience, then we can talk about, was that induction really necessary? Did you feel it was necessary? What were the reasons for it? How could you avoid that from you know, happening again in the future if you're planning on having more children. So her role is vast and varied and isn't just limited to the birth sphere. Even in early labor, when my couples aren't with me yet and they're at home doing things on their own, I am a sounding board for the, usually the partner who, if he has questions about the birth, can help, can call me and uh, or questions about the labor can call me and ask and I can help put his mind at ease which can create a lot of peace for him as well in a time that can be somewhat anxiety provoking. An interesting statistic is that the use of epidurals in the labor room skyrocketed about the same time that dads were allowed in the labor room. Some of this might be because of the advent of the of the ability to do epidurals but spinal blocks were available um, some of it is probably mostly about the fact that fathers are usually uncomfortable seeing their partners in pain. So they are just as likely to suggest that your pain be relieved, whatever that looks like. And if you're someone who wants a natural unmedicated birth, then having the support to understand what is normal and to help cope with the discomfort and the sensations of labor really helps you in the long run to get the birth experience that you want. Um, and that goes for helping dads understand what's going on too. Women often shake during transition and labor, and that can be really scary because it looks like a seizure to people who aren't, don't know what it's what it is. And even just explaining to the father what's happening from a biological, physiological standpoint can put his mind at ease. This is a normal aspect of birth. This is adrenaline in the body being released, right? Oh, okay, I understand adrenaline, right? Everyone understands adrenaline. So helping dads make sense of what's going on so that they can feel more capable and confident and be a better support person to their partner. Now, what about, oh, but my husband is my support person. That's valid and a lot of heard a lot of women say this, but what's important to note is that while your husband might be your support person, it's very unlikely that your husband has ever seen a baby born, unless he's already seen one of yours born. And it's unlikely that he understands birth physiology and anatomy. So the upfront education and then the education in the moment becomes really important because he can support you best when he feels calm and peaceful. 
Adrenaline is a pheromone. So if he's feeling adrenaline because he's worried about what's going on, then that adrenaline is likely to also be felt by you, which is not helpful. So we can help dads remain calm in the moment so that they can be a steady source of support for the partner, not a replacement. Um, I always, uh, doulas are not a replacement, right? I always tell dads, don't feel bad if at some point during your labor, your wife holds on to me. The reason for this is because when we get to the end of labor and we're in transition, we are feeling the surge of adrenaline, which feels like fear in our bodies. We're not used to adrenaline without fear. And we don't necessarily understand what's going on. And we're looking for someone to tell us everything's going to be okay. And the woman in the room who's given birth a few times before is the closest person to you. And you will instinctively grab her and ask for her help. And that is not a feature of not trusting or needing your partner. It's just a feature of looking for the most qualified person in the room to help you understand what's going on in your body. Um, even with a very, very supportive partner, I still leaned quite heavily on my doula, doulas in my labors um, because they had education that he didn't have. And they had a peace of mind about them that he didn't have. So that's um, an important factor as well. She's not there to replace your partner. She is there to support you and your partner. And her presence can actually help your partner be a better support to you. Okay, I'm going to link a few studies in the notes about doulas in birth and um, the statistics I cited. If you have any questions about doulas, how to find one, how to pick one, feel free to reach out to me anytime. My email is always listed in the show notes. Thanks for joining me and happy birthday. The information on this podcast should not be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event.